everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last, right along ringside and ready to go with another big day of Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And Brian, I am really excited about today's show. You know, after the appearance of the lovely and talented Jim Cornette, Memphis managers have been coming out of the woodwork to appear on the show. And in the case of our next guest, I mean that literally, he literally came out of the woodwork. That's right, Scott. Today, our guest on Kentucky Fried Wrestling is someone that wrestling fans in Memphis know well, someone they saw on TV for many years, the brother of famed musician Bobby Whitlock of Derek and the Domino's fame. That, of course, could be none other than Nathaniel Whitlock, better known as Nate the Rat. Excuse me, I believe that's Nate the Great. I believe that is the preferred nomenclature. But at any rate, we are going to have the Rowdy Rodin himself on the show today, so it should be most interesting. We'll be back right after this message. Not hungry. Not at all. No. Not not my lunchtime. I'm hungry. Can we can you can we get some? I'm gonna. I was gonna send Nate out like for some burgers or something like that. Would you want you want something? <laughs> no. No. Thank hey, you for asking very much. Nate, sir, you know where you know where McDonald's is right now. Uh, give me. Would you run down there? And give me a Big Mac and two fries and a large cup. Yep. On my way. Okay. I love Nate. You're all right, mother. There he goes, headed on his merry way. Oh boy, Nate, your timing is horrible. Oh my goodness. Boy, Nate got here with a big pack of fries. All right, we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling, and I must say it is a rather dubious honor to introduce our next guest. Ladies and germs, I give you one of the true rotten scoundrels in the wrestling profession. He is a manager of champions who guided the careers of such unified world title holders as the Soul Taker, the Master of Pain, and the King himself, Jerry Lawler. The often verbose vermin of Memphis wrestling, Nathaniel Whitlock, a.k.a. Nate the Rat. Nate, welcome to uh, Kentucky Fried Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, uh, you did the same thing Lance Russell did, man. It's Nate the Great. How about that? That's <laughs> a lot better than Nate the Rat, you know? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I, That's I, something that, that, that guys have, uh, fans have pinned on me. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like Jackie Gleason, the great one. You know, I like that a lot better. So, you know, but I'm Nate Whitlock and I'm here and, you know, I, I've, uh, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to, to stand up and say what I got to say, I guess. Well, hey, and I've heard about it, about, you know, you I've heard about you and uh, Brian uh, for a long time. And I do appreciate it a lot. Really. Well, and you still agreed to do the show. That's uh, that's that's amazing. Well, well we have a mutual friend, you see. Ah, that's true. That's true, which we'll be getting into. Now, Nate, of course, I was a huge wrestling fan. I was a junior in high school when you came on the scene. And right away, you know, you had the intensity uh, on your promos. Uh, You know, you could actually go out there and command the mic. 
and really that was sort of rare at that time in Memphis wrestling because, you know, once Jimmy Hart left in the beginning of 85, there were all kinds of guys who just kind of passed through JD Costello. Uh, I think Tux Newman, uh, Jeff Walton yeah, was probably, Chuck. yeah, he was, now he was, now he, Jeff, I, I was a big fan of, uh, regrettably he just didn't stay long enough to really, uh, distinguish himself, but you have been, gosh, starting in 87, you've been uh, a presence on Memphis wrestling for years on and off. But I didn't realize until recently that your ties to Memphis wrestling, your family's ties to the uh, promotion, uh, goes back to uh, 1971. I believe you had a first cousin. Was it Bobby Whitlock who was? Uh, uh, yeah, that was my cousin. Yeah, he was Lawler's first uh, tag team partner. I think he was wrestling prior to that, though, in like openers in uh, uh, back in the. Uh, Ellis Auditorium days. I mean, when I was a little, little boy, I remember seeing him. Maybe I was, maybe in the late 60s. Okay. And that's when I first started going, you see. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we had, we had Jerry Jarrett on our first episode and he, he spoke of how he uh, saw some talent in Lawler, but it was really raw. And so he sent him to Alabama to eventually work with Sam Bass and, uh, and Jim White. And I looked Let me back. Talk, let's stop right there. Let's talk about Jerry Jarrett for a second. Okay. I worked, I worked for Jerry Jarrett for seven years before he spoke to me. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and I knew when he, when he finally did speak to me, I knew I was drawing money, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if, if Jerry Jarrett, he, he didn't speak to you, and that was purposely. But when you got to the point to where you could sit out, uh, he, he would speak to you then, see? Yeah. Yeah, that's when you. That's when, man. you that's when you knew you'd made it. That's right. Right, yeah. but it uh-huh. but it did come, but it didn't come easy. You had to earn it. Uh, oh so. yeah, and I like that. Now I look back, you know, for, uh, when I first was in there, I was what is wrong with this guy? Man, I'm trying to get in here, and <laughs> I said, well, forget it. I'm just gonna go and do what I got to do here. Yeah, and that's how it went. You know, you, now, you uh, they're not gonna give you anything in that business. That's true. You gotta take it. That's you true. You gotta man. take it. And you and I were talking a little bit about your first promo on the Memphis Wrestling Show, and it sort of mirrored mine, where I was kind of told to go out there and say one thing, but that's not really what I wanted to say, because they were going to switch me back babyface, and I wanted to be a heel. You know, I'd, I'd seen guys like you and Jim Cornette, Jimmy Hart, all the all the great Memphis managers, and, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But uh, I just have some quick questions, though, a little bit more about about your background, uh, because I just, I just found that really interesting, uh, that... You know, you, you, when you look back at the results before Jim White came into the picture, it was Bobby Whitlock teaming with Jerry Lawler for, I believe, it was Bill, Billy Golden's uh, territory in Alabama. Yeah, uh, now, I think that's where you, they, they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, now, did you yeah. see? Did you see Lawler uh, in any of those matches? Did you ever go visit your cousin to see him to see him wrestle? Or I saw pictures of Lawler. Boy, he looked like a goof, didn't he? Have you ever <laughs> seen him? Well, <laughs> <laughs> he had a pair of shorts. He had a pair of tights on and some things, little fat legs. Yeah, I think I've never seen him. Well, and his hairstyle—he kind of had—he kind of had Dave Brown's hairstyle. Uh, oh yeah, he had that little whip over on that thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he, he told almost, me he, he was, he was he riding looked, in a Falcon. Okay, you know. And oh man, you know I was his driver for twenty years, and Lawler and me—we put. In, hundreds of thousands of hours together in in a car and oh my gosh and well, he he, uh, he told me he was riding a Graham bus in a in a, a, a falcon that's how he get to the matches okay so 
Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so he clearly, he, he learned a lot by being paired with, uh, with your cousin and, and you also have, uh, another cousin, right. Who's, who went on to achieve fame in the music business with, uh, with Eric Clapton. Oh, my brother. Oh, your my brother. brother. Okay. Yeah. I got a cousin named Bobby and a bro- uh, my brother named Bob. Okay. And, uh, some, sometimes they'd call my, my brother up as the rock star thinking he's a wrestler saying, I'm going to, you know, whatever. And he's, Oh, you got the wrong Bobby Whitlock, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you want, yeah, you, you want the wrestling star, not the rock star. Yeah. That's exactly what my brother used to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I met Bobby Whitlock once I got to working and he was a, a police officer in Louisville. And, uh, I was walking the aisle there and, and I, I was, I mean, I was actually walking the aisle and, and, uh, I looked to my left and I, I remember I, I looked and said, "Wow, you Bobby Whitlock! I'm walking, I'm walking to the ring." He said, "Yeah, I'm Bobby Whitlock. Who are you?" I said, "I'll be back here in a minute." I was managing Mike Awesome at that time. Okay, I sure did. And then that's when he come back and he said, "Oh my God, it you got what I got," and I knew what he meant because it's a gift from God. And I'll tell you something, you know, a lot of guys. They don't know why, you know, or they, they never asked the reason why me, why, why, you know, cause there's a lot of guys, like you said, there was a whole bunch of fellas that come through here and, and, and never, you know, you wouldn't, unless you were a, an astute student to Memphis wrestling, you wouldn't like Chuck Newman, Tom Renesto and people like that, you know, and mm-hmm. Buddy Diamond and, and Mickey Poole and, you know, it goes on and on. And I, and I'm an astute student. And, but the thing is, I did. I had to. I had to answer myself. Why me? And why? Why am I getting this fame and et cetera, et cetera? And, and now I look back, and, and a lot of them questions had came to me. Why me? I, and they were answered because I remember my mother. She uh, she had me the phone one time. She said, "I want you to talk to this man." And I'm a heel wrestler, you know. I'm bad guys as it comes. And I said, "Who is it?" He said, "He's in the hospital. Just talk to him." And uh, this guy got on the phone. He said, uh, "Hey, uh, you don't know me, but I just uh, I want to tell you, you brought a lot of joy into my life, you know." And I said, "Hey, well, that's cool, man. I didn't know the guy was in intensive care. He died that next day." Oh, well. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. That's why it's because yeah. it did bring joy, and people look forward to getting up on Saturday morning and saying, "Man, make the rat beating the hell out of Jerry Law, or or we've in a pie fight, or." Or you know all that kind of stuff like that, you know. That's yeah. it's that's what's missing today. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's why they call it iconic. Yeah. Right. But right. It, and we I had we a were, lot. Of, we were yeah, fortunate ahead, to. We, we, that's right. We were we were fortunate enough to grow up in that territory where you know I've always said it's it may not have been the best wrestling program per se, but it was definitely the most uh, entertaining. Uh, and and the and the larger than life personalities and all the different characters that you had, and it was such a part of the culture and the connection that the that the fans had with the boys was unparalleled. Well, and at the same time, you know, uh, they got like you know, watch it today, and it's almost like dancing in the ring. But mm-hmm. uh, the storyline is, is not like. Memphis wrestling. I mean, I was on there talking about Lawler's mama had a stroke, and I go on there and talk about, oh, she's faking, you know, and talking about <laughs> Lawler's mama. I yeah. mean, you know, and he comes out and knocked my tooth out. So, yeah. Right. 
Right. right. Yeah, it's, you watch it on YouTube. Make the rat, uh, Jerry Lawler slaps Make the Rat. Knock my stinking tooth out. Uh, well, I mean, we're I, right on camera. Got to lay it in there, brother. You yeah. Know, I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the worst thing to take is that open hand slap. Oh, there, man. Damn. Man, give me, yeah, give me a Moo Dog chair or a Lawler Fireball. I don't know about I'll, that either. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> well I took I don't, I, I, I took it all. The only thing that ever really got me was uh, was Miss Texas and Bruno slapping the ever-loving taste out of my mouth. Because with an open-hand slap, you got to lay it in. And then Lawler potatoed me once because he didn't like my he didn't like my kicks. And uh, Is that Miss was Texas a man or a woman? I've always <laughs> wondered that. She had a pack of hair between her breasts as big as the top of my head. I'll tell you that. You know, well, I, I often wonder. Uh, no, she, she was, I ain't making this up. She was quite the lady of, in, in my experiences with her, but it was. Uh, I really enjoyed working with Jackie, and, and I felt sorry for her because I mean, she. There were a lot of bullies in the locker room uh, who were who were not very supportive of her aspirations, and I just kind of sit back and I see that she went on to have a Hall of Fame career with WWE, and uh, some of these guys never never uh, made it to the big time, but. Uh, in my opinion, I was there, and she first started. You know, I was there when they even brought tech, the Texas crew in. You know, Cactus Jack and Gary Young and and Skandar Akbar and uh, oh, Jeff Gaylord and yeah. oh my Tom, God, Tom, Tom, Tom he, he hung out there. with me. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> I remember, I remember you first being there in eighties, and uh, I believe it was in October. Of '87, you arrived with uh, Bobby Jaggers. Um, oh my gosh! But before that, yeah. I believe I believe they sort of had you out there as uh, almost like a like a boss winners at first, uh, it, like a, they managing a mass jobber team called the Executioners, um, and then slowly. Well, no, that was that happened at the same time. That was the same that's, time. That's okay. a, yeah, that's a, and then that that very day when I made my debut, they had a battle royal, and. Ah man, I was green as a gourd, and I had that cane, and, and Midnight Rogers was in the ring, and Jeff Jarrett. So I said, "What well, heck with it? I ain't just gonna stand here and be a cheerleader." I got up on the side of the ring, started beating the heck out of a Marty Genetic <laughs> man. Dundee comes, I got in the ring. Dundee hit me so hard it knocked me over the top rope out on the floor. Bam, man! I took this big bump, and I got up. I was like, "Whoa!" You know. So he come back to me in the dressing room after. He said, "I didn't mean to hit you that hard, mate." I said, "You hit me." Huh? Really? You did? He looked at me like what? So you know, so you know, sold it when you got to the back. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it was all stiff. You know, it was all the they just you know shooting with me, and then yeah. it, I started reciprocating back. You know, and yeah. I got tired of that mess, man. You know, uh, um, yeah, I've been well, kicked and hit and punched and kicked and gouged and you know everything you can imagine. But was any was any of that was any of that scarier though than than facing going one on one for your first live promo with Lance Russell? Uh, were the knots? Oh just, man! Was that did the, were the butterflies turning in your stomach when you went out there to do that? Look, I walked down the dressing room, out of the dressing room, and there was like all the guys that I ever grew up with was there. Tommy Gilbert, I mean, uh, Cloudboy, Tojo, Austin Idol, uh, uh, man, just. Everybody, that Lawler, Dundee, uh, just you know, Jeff, Jeff, everybody just staring at me. I got this pink tuxedo on, you know, and I'm like, man, my God, you know, it's intimidating as hell. 
But the most intimidating guy that it was there in the old building was that old man with that big nose out there. And I walked out there and he said, now, what do you got to say? He just interviewed Ric Flair and Muhammad Ali not a year before, you know. And I, my, my knees are shaking. I'm, I'm nervous as a whore in church. And uh, I said, I couldn't remember what they wanted me to say. So I just cut my own interview. Man, I, the people were just coming unglued. And uh, and I started screaming at the audience and calling them heathens and everything. And I walked in the back, and Lawler standing there next to the dressing room door. And I said, "Well, that got a lot of heat." He said, "That got a lot of heat out of me." And I just walked <laughs> on. I said, "Well, I guess so." That Monday night, <laughs> because of that interview, me doing what I did, not only did I manage the executions in the opener, but I was in the main event against Lawler in uh, uh, against Jaggers in the Southern Title, and. Uh, my interference, uh, Lawler lost the Southern title at, on my debut night. But he knocked me out, and they carried me out of the Coliseum. I walked in, but they carried me on their shoulders out. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I believe saw, I got a concussion or two, you know. Well, I saw, I, I, saw a, uh, uh, I saw a TV match where I believe it was when Jaggers dropped the belt back and your interference kind of backfired and, and Lawler caught, I mean, it, it, if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a potato, it would, it had to be close to it. And I've seen hundreds and hundreds of Lawler punches and I've taken dozens of them. Uh, but man, it was a stiff looking shot and you sold it beautifully. Oh, is that but the Jaggers where he dropped the belt thing? Yes. Uh. Yeah, it was on a TV match yeah. and all this, I mean, yeah. Jagger said, you think you can win 10 minutes of TV match, the title for me? I got up on the ring apron, man. Lawler knocked fire from my ass is what yeah. he did. Yeah. I ain't kidding you, man. I mean, no, uh, I, 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 I hate to laugh. I mean, I know, I do know the feeling, I can assure you, but, uh, but it looked like a stiff shot. Well, you know, and, and at the same time, I, I did all the same stuff back to him. That's what he couldn't, he couldn't fathom that, you know? And he's like, wow, you know, Jesus. Mate. I worked with him against Doug, uh, with Doug Gilbert uh, when he opened up that, that honky-tonk he's got down there on Bill Street the other day. And, uh, man, I had about five pounds of uh, uh, all kinds of tools. I had, <laughs> I had a chain that went down my leg that was about 15 foot long. Uh, uh, in a, I had a, a knife and I had a, a screwdriver and I had wire pliers. I had I had tools in every pocket. I, I was making sure I was gonna get his ass with something. Well, I got up in the dad gum ring, you know, and uh, Jerry Calhoun pulled all that stuff. They had about four pounds of stuff in the middle of the ring where he searched for and found everything. Lawler said, searching. Well, he thought I was out there with nothing. I took my tie off and I choked the fire of him until he was purple. And he was late. He got in the dressing room. He's making freaking killing me, man. I, I thought to myself, yes, it would been me on the other end. You'd have done the same stinging thing. I mean, the people was less than three foot from me. Okay. Didn't nobody walk out of there and say, Nate Whitlock didn't lay it in there. I guarantee you. Same way as that Kim Storm, that Southern heavyweight champion now that come in town not long ago and uh, worked at Cook Convention Center. And uh, he didn't know who I was either. I walk out there, everybody's mouth fell open. And I was managing some cat from uh, uh, St. Louis somewhere or another. Anyway, I didn't know who Tim Storm was. You know, he didn't mean nothing to me. They said he was a Southern Heavyweight Champion. I said, well, bring him over here to my corner. I knocked his ass off. He looked, he, his eyes got bugged. He said, what the hell? That was the same night that Lawler had the heart attack and Jackie Fargo was down there. I was watching Jackie's back, see? That's what was happening. And, uh, 
I, I jacked that darn Southern champion up, man. And I said, this is my town, dude. You walking in my, my footsteps. It's all over the internet right now. Well, uh, let's, 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 let's go back to the, when you first, when you first debuted. Now, when you came oh, I'm in, sorry, I just got, I got, a, right. I got that's wound right. up, man. I mean, that's, I'm just telling what's happening now. I'm working now. I'm yeah. not, uh, no, this ain't some retrospective something. And this is how it used to be. Hell no. Nate the great is walking and talking right now. Right. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But 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 it is it is saying a lot because when you came in in '87, uh, that was at a time when some guys were like I said they were either uh, just released from WCW or released from WWE or about to sign with one or the other, and so you had Hector Guerrero, Manny Fernandez, the Nasty Boys, yeah. AWA World Champion Kurt Hennig was coming in quite a bit, uh, Steve yeah. Kern, Scott Hall, uh, Jimmy Jack Funk, uh, Marty Jannetty, and and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers, who were about to switch heel. And go with Margarine. another man. Yeah, with the House of Gulli. Yeah. Now, what what are your memories of? Because I know you guys I cut interviews uh, maybe alongside each other a couple of times. What were your thoughts on um, on Mark Gulin and the House of Gulin? He was. I thought he'd come out of some kind of uh, uh, medieval castle or something. You know, and he you know, had this weird brogue, you know, and. Uh, and he had these furs on, and he had Tico with him, and had the hair and all. I thought, man, this cat here is uh, exotic. That's uh, <laughs> he was. That's yes. the only thing I can say about that cat. I remember him, and he had this funny-looking, like twisted-up mustache or something. But he was real articulate, and you know, and and spoke really well, you know. And then on and the other I, side, I like that. And then on the other side yeah. of the spectrum. You with the with the southern accent, and uh, so it was it was a real interesting dichotomy there with with you two. Um, now, how did you? Now, well, we talked a little bit about your brother being in the business, and your and and uh, I'm sorry, your brother uh, being a rock star, and your first cousin, uh, the other Bobby Whitlock, being yeah. uh, you know a professional wrestler, being one of Jerry Lawler's first tag team partners. Uh, how did you get your break into the profession? Okay. In 81, I had this fat girl living with me. And, and uh, uh, I had this idea. I said, look, man, we can come up with this gimmick, do some mud, mud wrestling. You got some chicks we can go in. I think I can book this at a club. Well, next thing you know, I had four fat girls living with me. Oh. And uh, they were driving me crazy, man. And uh, about all during that time, so I, that, I made that mud wrestling hot. And uh, so I was booking on Lawler shows and stuff out uh, in spot shows. And next thing you know, the movie star coming town, he needs some chicks to wrestle. So I'm the one with the chicks. So that's how it went. Uh, okay. They wrestled my girls. Janie you, Coffin wrestled my girls. You're talking, oh, you're, so you're talking about Andy Coffin was, was wrestling some of, some of your chicks. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Now, is my understanding that those matches were not uh, were not fixed? Uh, that they that they were not a work. That Coffin was actually now was that is that no, the case? No, he, he was shooting with them girls, man. Yeah. Okay. That's and stopping uh, them in the stomach and stuff. Yeah, he was he was twisting he was twisting their arms back and stuff, their, their wrists and all kinds of different things, trying to get them over. Now, the deal no. was he, okay. he they had to last five minutes. See, yeah. And I trained the the best one. I said, look. You're 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 wrestling defensive, so I wrestled with her for a good month prior to that. <laughs> okay, and uh, uh, I said, "Look, you, you're just trying to keep me from pinning. Is what you're trying to do," and and so that's how I trained her. And 
she asked me to get it all the time. I even watch the tapes. It's a big redheaded girl. That's the one. She okay. karate kicked him and all kinds of stuff. I don't know. But, you know, it went from there to, uh, I, I said, man, I'm sick of this. Uh, it got cold, and I was working the go-go joints in Memphis with them girls, and mm-hmm. I was doing everything from nude mud wrestling to bull wrestling to gay wrestling oh. to jello wrestling, chocolate pudding wrestling. <laughs> I was putting on men's, uh, men's boxing, <laughs> women's boxing. I was putting on a, a, a tough guy contest. I was... I was promoting all kinds of stuff. So, so, something, for and, the whole, uh, something for the whole family, in other words. That's right, a family show. And then I come <laughs> up with this thinking idea of, uh, I was going to put on, it was a dance craze called Do the Gator. And, and I said, damn, if I got an alligator, man, I could bring an alligator up here, wrestle him in a kitten swimming pool and get to Channel 13. I was, already, I was already doing some stuff called Street Beat that was like, hey, we'll go to the club and watch this, this wild show, you know? So I was going to bring an alligator in here and going to wrestle an alligator in the mud. Well, damn, man, I, I caught this alligator down in Hammond, Louisiana, and, and he was about eight foot long, put him in the trunk of my car, and I, I wrapped his, his nose up and his head up, you know, with, with black duct tape, and uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm headed back to Memphis, going to get this gimmick going, you know? Wait, I mean, wait, wait. a real alligator, man. So and it, I, it just, I, just with your bare hands and duct tape? Well, see, what happened was... <laughs> I, I went down there and I got me a a, a breeder's license. Oh. And uh, and they said, well, you can trap and breed alligators. This is a long time ago with that, before anybody was on TV with none of that. And uh, I said, no kidding. And uh, she said, go to Hammond, Louisiana, where you can go. And I went up to this dude and I said, look, man, I got a couple hundred bucks and uh, I need an alligator. He said, do what? He said, my, my brother got an alligator in these ponds back here and he had me a rope. And... Uh, <laughs> Every time I throw the lasso out there in the pond, the alligator's head, they would be up, and then I throw the rope, and they'd go down. I said, son of a gun. So I throw a stick, and I, I tricked him. He went up, and I jerked it. And, well, I had my referee uh, with me, and he's out there. I broke his foot, and he's out there in, in a swamp with some crutches. And I swear to God, this happened. And I, I roped this damn alligator. Instead of him pulling on me like a horse, he come out of the swamp after me. Okay. I'm running with a rope around a damn alligator's neck, and I run him around a tree. And I look up, and that stinking referee of mine, he's hauling ass across the swamp in them damn crutches and jumped in my car and locked the door. And I said, man, unlock the stinking door. He, he wouldn't unlock the door. I said, I need to get the black tape out of the thing. I got to take this stinking alligator's mouth up. Well, he wouldn't do it. I said, the alligator ain't going to jump in the car, idiot. So I run out there, and the and this giant alligator is wrapped around his tree. And I jump on his back like that goof from uh, from uh, uh, Australia, and I, I take that damn, that damn black tape wrapped around that damn thing's mouth. I said, son of a gun, man. All right. I wait, 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 this damn alligator. Wait, you're talking about goose from Australia. We're talking about Bill Dundee or Crocodile Dundee? That guy that jumped on the fish that stabbed him in the heart and killed him. Oh, okay. I can't I remember. You. I got that you. I dude. Yeah, All right. Anyway, uh, I dragged this alligator out there to the car, and uh, uh, I'm putting him in a trunk. You know, man, this this damn thing's mad. He's what? pissed off. Yes, I guess so. <laughs> All right, now look, I'm headed back to Memphis. And that damn thing is about to jump the car over. Wobble, 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 in the trunk. And I said, my God, man, what? Jesus. And then it got quiet. 
<laughs> I said, oh, shoot. And we pulled off that rest stop right there at Mississippi and Louisiana. And I opened up the truck, and that alligator's just looking. He ain't moving. He's just looking. And I told the referee, I said, son, poke it with, with my cane. He said, I ain't getting near that damn thing. And, man, he ain't moving. I, I stabbed him. I said, damn, he ain't moving. He's dead. Damn alligator's defective. Son of a gun, I paid $200 for this damn alligator. I drove back to the swamp where I, I give up money back. I said, man, you sold me a damn defective alligator. And he said, that alligator's been in the swamp 30 years. You had him for an hour and a half and killed him. I said, I ain't killed the alligator. I just put him in a trunk. He said, you, you covered up his nose, idiot. So I said, oh, I didn't even know an alligator had a nose. Well, with the black duct tape, see, I, I smothered him. Well, he said, look, I, I'll give you your money back, but you're going to have to clean him. I said, clean the alligator? Man, they hung him up in a tree, and I had to gut that damn thing. I had alligator goo from my head to my freaking toes, man. And on the way back, I was so sticky and sunny. I said, you say anything, I'm going to kill you. On the way back, I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. We finally made it back to Memphis, and, and uh, a big sign was hanging on my mama's door. Do not bring any reptiles to this house. Blah, 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 all this. All right, I get to the house, and I swear to God, Scott, a phone rings, and it's, it's Hollywood, California. And I thought it was somebody ribbing me. They said, this is Jack Smith. You asked for it. A television program. And they said, is this Nate Whitlock? I said, yeah. And they said, you the alligator wrestler? And I was yeah. And they said, uh, look, we called the, the state down there in Louisiana about people wrestling alligators. You're the only one on record down there at the time that even wrestled an alligator. So that's how they led to me. They said, we want to see you doing it. I said, I'll be doggone. So they want you to go ahead so and, do it, and do it again? Yeah. So I hauled <laughs> back down there where I damn, I got that, I, I got that alligator. I met the film crew down there, and they give me 300 bucks. And oh. this time, I had it worked out, though. Okay. I, we caught the alligator. You learned You learned from your earlier mistakes. Oh, my God. I caught the alligator and took a uh, cord and wrapped it in mud and tied his, 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 his uh, mouth up. And then, and then uh, let him out there in that muddy swamp. And I run out there in my tights and stuff and jumped on this damn alligator. And then I'm rolling in this thing like Tarzan and all this crap, you know, and suplex the damn alligator and this and that. Well, man, something hit me in the back real hard. Like, I mean, it was like a, a stone, a big stone it hit me. Come to find out, when me flopping around in that swamp water, it attracted a 12-foot alligator, and he was thought that, that that one was getting something to eat, and he wasn't going to get something to eat. I'm in a swamp with a 12-foot a freaking alligator that's trying to eat me now. Oh, my God, man. I got out of that thing. I said, I, I'm through. I'm through. That's it. All right. But that's just another story. I guess, well, well I, I, now, please I, I, tell me you still have some of this footage. It's on Jack Smith. You asked for it. Okay. Uh, that that was the name of the show. People used to write in. They'd say, "I want to see a one arm paper hang." <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's an old timey show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's been on yeah. since the fifties. Okay. And uh, well, what happened was, I said, "Man, I got I got to take a break from all this. This is driving me crazy." So I got I said, "I'm a singer and a guitar player." So I got me a a, a brochure and, and I booked myself in my, that little band I had on a cruise ship. I got down there, uh, in the Bahamas and I got to thinking because I'd been there a while, they give me free rooms they get, uh, for your family or whoever to come visit you, you see. 
because it's almost like being in prison, even you're on a damn cruise ship. I mean, I'm there. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I had a bunch of rooms built up. So I said, damn, Lawler's wrestling Nick Bockwinkle and Jerry Jett and his wife. I said, I need about four rooms. And so I called up Lawler and I said, look, man. He, and so I was on break and I come back and I talked directly to Jerry Jett. And they liked the heck out of the idea. I said, look, that's a Bockwinkle out there on that cruise ship and and, uh, and, oh, man, what a wonderful idea. Well, I wanted Pro Wrestling Illustrated. This is what got me in the biz right here. I wanted Pro Wrestling Illustrated to to write a story about me and the wrestler. And, you know, at the time, Bill after he's the only yeah. one had a book out, you know? Right. Well, I, read, I wrote them what I just said on the radio right there to you. <laughs> and, but I sent it in a certified letter because it was mine. And, uh, well, they got back with Lawler and said, look, man, we're going to put on a wrestling cruise. And what these knuckleheads didn't realize, a wrestling fan ain't got $5,000 to buy a thing to get on, on a cruise ship. Uh, so they didn't sell any tickets, maybe three, I think. And so that didn't happen for them. If they let it go and just let me do my thing, it would have been real cool. But what they said, make sure Nate don't do a big stink about us on, uh, getting his idea and doing their, that Joe Pettacino and Bill Apple. We're going to do his gimmick, but uh, just make sure he don't do a big stink about it. Next thing you know, Bruno calls me on the phone, downtown Bruno. Uh, he's living in the Lawler's lawnmower shed at the time. Uh, <laughs> like He's acting like a damn booker. And he calls me. Uh, like he, you know. So I show up Saturday morning, and that's when all that shenanigan happened where I forgot the interview, and I just did my own interview, and that's what got me in right there. Oh, okay. That's how it started. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> comparatively speaking, your your first day on live television Memphis wrestling, that pales in comparison to your, I guess, your first break into the business wrestling alligators. Well, you know, it's all a deal. This is what people don't realize. They just can't go and get boots and tights and all, and, you know, get a body and this and that. And, you know, it, once you get that, you going, uh, once you get your package, now, I'm talking to the guys that want to be wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I want y'all to understand this. Once you get that, now, when you go to, I want to go to Jeff Jarrett, I want to go to, Bill, uh, uh, you know, Hinkle or, or, or McMahon or some one of them agents or somebody at one WCW or whatever it might be going on, right, at the Impact or whoever. You can't just go and say, look at me. You're going to have to have a deal for them, right. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you're going to say, look, man, I got, I got, uh, 200,000 people on my Facebook and I'm selling already selling a thousand t-shirts a month independently. Now you got something to deal with. You see where I'm coming from now? Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. Everything is a deal to them guys. It ain't just, Oh, I can work and I can wrestle and I know how to punch and kick and all that. The whole shit. That ain't how it is. Yeah. Uh-uh. So now, uh, and after, after Jaggers ends up leaving, I believe he lost, he dropped a loser leave town after Scott Hall. And and he was gone. Now I can't. No, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I right. set that match up. I set that match up. Did you see the setup? Scott Hall, big big dumbass, comes out there and grabs <laughs> me by the, my by my crotch and throws me up on the desk and pushes me over backwards. I hit the back of my head, and I was managing the late Keith Eric, one of the greatest German job boys on in, yeah. ever. And, and yeah. Keith, yeah, Keith was, man, Keith, y'all Keith watch was that. It, it's 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 CWA 
debut of Scott Hall on YouTube. He picks me up, and I says, no, nah, no, nah, I ain't no time, no stinking Scott Hall. I'm doing the interview, and uh, I went to going on and on about how, how Bobby Jagger was so great. And, and, uh, and uh, Lance Russell said, Nate, just take it to the ring, man. I don't need all this. I said, if I wasn't such a gentleman, I'd slap your face. About that time, that stinking Scott Hall picked me up, man, and put set me down on the desk. And he said, I ain't got no time to hear all this manager crap. On it. And he pushed me over, and I did a complete 360 and hit my head, man. I got up. I said, get him, Keith. And Keith got up in there and got his ass kicked. <laughs> and I said, if I was here, he wouldn't have done that to me. And, uh, well, anyway, uh, that set it up. Okay. Scott left for uh, uh, Japan or somewhere that next week. I don't know what the heck, where he went. But Billy Travis beat Bobby Jaggers for the loser league town. Okay. Once All we right. got to the Coliseum. Yeah. And we and we were and we I, were talking we were talking about Billy earlier. He was it was a great, right, now look, great this great is what time. I did. We beat Billy, man. And and, and I'm the doggone of Eddie Martin didn't come out there and stop it again. But what he did, all right, they was working down and, and Jaggers beat him out the ring. Okay. I actually crawled up this is a great move right here, I thought. I crawled <laughs> all the way up under the ring. And grabbed Billy by the foot, and he was kicking me in the head, and they counted him out. He was trying to get up in the ring, ten, boom, and he lost. So Billy had to leave, and I crawled back out of the other, other side of the ring, and da you know, and jumped yeah. up. Well, uh, Eddie Marley came back and said, "No, no, he reversed it, and give him five more minutes, and he kicked the dog out of all of us. I don't put him and Eddie Marley made me sit in a chair and held me down there and all that mess, man." And so Eddie Morland always had it. Eddie Morland always had his nose in my business too. Oh, he had to. <laughs> and, and that's uh that's how Jaggers left town with Grace. Right. Ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Now you were there in eighty now I believe you went away for a bit and then you, did you pop back in in eighty nine when uh after Lance Russell left and they were they made the mistake really of of trying to not really replace Lance, but in the ne- the next week in the sidekick chair, uh, Dave moves over to the host chair. Uh, is Ronnie P. Gossett, who, in my opinion, kind of generated the wrong kind of heat because it was just he was just annoying, and you just kind of want to change the channel. Uh, but you came in uh, toward the end of '89 with the Soul Taker, right? Well, uh, let me think. Yeah, I was. Let me tell you what Gossett did, man. Uh, he uh, he decided he was going to be the uh, announcer. I decided, and, and you can look up it on on on, on the, uh, YouTube. It says Ronnie Gossett beats up Nate the Red. And uh, what happened was it was this Darren Wise guy there, and uh, Ronnie, and we walk out, and uh, man, Ronnie, he punched me, and uh, uh, I got up. And, and I'm not far from Darren Wise. And then I'm just knocking Ronnie's butt off, his big fat butt standing there. Well, the dirty white boy grabbed me by both arms, man. Ronnie come around the desk and watch this. He slapped me in the side of my head and it, and it busted my eardrum. Well, I had blood in my ear, in my eardrum. Now, this is on Saturday. On Tuesday, uh, Monday night, Tony Anthony went to Lawler and said, look, Lawler, because he was standing, he had a hold of me when Ronnie hit me. And uh, he said, man, Ronnie hit Nate real, real hard. Ah. And he grunted like that. 
well, on the, I'm riding with Lawler on the way to Louisville. He said, Lawler, Nate, he said, uh, uh, what about that, that deal Ronnie did you Saturday? I said, well, I'll tell you what, because I was wrestling Ronnie that night in Louisville. I said, okay. I'll tell you what, Lawler. I said, he does that tonight. He'll be standing up there trying to hold something in. And Lawler's eyes got real big, you know? <laughs> so, so and, you said- uh, well, I got, I got to the arena, and I walk out there to the arena, you know? And it's two heel managers. And I taught it with Ronnie. I hit him with an uppercut. And I, I hit him so hard, I heard his teeth clack. And uh, and I knocked his ass. I kept on punching him. I said, you go down, punk. And I beat him to the damn ground. And then I let him up and then worked the match. And okay. I, I got back in the back. And he was all like, oh, yeah, he really hit me. <laughs> I knocked his ass off. I showed him what it was all about. Okay. So, so, uh, and you, and now, you, now a lot of people may not be familiar with the soul taker, uh, don't recognize that name, but of course he went on to uh, be Papa Shango and WWE and then went on to be the Godfather. Um, uh, I can't help but yeah. think that maybe you supplied him with his, with his first crop of hoes. Um, uh, no, but, you uh, know what he does now? You know what he does now? What's that? He is the manager of a go-go joint in Vegas called Cheetahs. Ah, He's, yeah, he's, so, he, so he made a, he made a seamless transition there. Well, I think that's where they got them all ugly girls on the, on the TV show. That wasn't none of my girls. Okay. Uh, my girls wanted to fight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh so, so you managed the soul taker to, uh, to a world title victory over Lawler, which was, uh, which right. is. Yeah, which was which is pretty rare. Uh, you know, they've been doing a pretty good job of not switching out the title too much yet. Then and uh, and so you began. You, that's when the, I remember you first start really getting a lot of interview time. You're sort of guiding him and, and doing promos for him. Uh, and then before you know it, I believe you're start, you were managing uh, the uh, Master Payne, who was uh, that's right, Mark, 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 Mark Calloway, who who of course went yeah. on to be. The Undertaker. Now, at the time, did you envision that these two guys were going to go on and 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 be uh, huge WWE stars, especially The Undertaker, who's whose career well, is a lot is alive and well. Them cats right there, they went to Alabama one weekend. We were in Nashville, and they went to Alabama, and uh, I don't, uh, Robert Fuller put them downwind of what to do uh, because that cat. Uh, I can't brother loves brother. I can't remember his name. Uh, he was Pritchard. down there. Yeah, Pritchard. Yeah. He was down there uh, shopping for Vince. And see, this would be the the second time Vince sucked the guts out of Lawler's company and Jarrett's company. The mm-hmm. first time was with Hart. So here comes the second go around. They're gonna suck the guts out of it again. See? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was almost like as soon as anybody would start getting hot. Vince was signing him away. Well, you know, you 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 uh, you didn't go after. I actually managed three world heavyweight champions. Uh, Soul Taker, yeah. Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. that's two, and Jimmy Valiant. When uh, Valiant came down here with the goon, you remember that? And they had the big thing, and Valiant uh, and Lawler had a big yeah, re- I, yeah. I remember that, and I believe they. It was sort of like this brief period where they were experimenting. <laughs> weren't they experimenting with a sudden death overtime? Stipulation uh, where where it would if it, went, yeah, if it went to a time limit draw, was, yeah, it was like the, if it went to a time limit draw, the first man to knock the other one off his feet would be the winner or something. And yeah, some that, they did that. Yeah. Okay. At the same time, Lawler was getting mad, 
and he get, he'd take it out on me, you know, because I'd show up about the time he'd lose something, and I'd show up with a tire or something, and, you know, and, and his thing, I'll do, you know, this is what Paula does for you. I know what Paula mm-hmm. does for him, and he, you know, uh, and I'd come back with a pie, you know, we tore up the TV station, yeah, the I studio. Yeah, I, well, I, uh, it, it was sort of like it, it was set up the week before because with the whole McDonald's deal, because a lot of people, yeah, you know, so there's, right. a, there's a police station right across from Union Avenue. And then a little bit farther down, there was uh, the McDonald's and and Lawler's Lawler starts the show. And it's it, I, I, to me, it was just great because we had seen Lawler and Lance do so much comedy together. And it was great to see Dave exclusively in that role. And he really shined in it, I thought. I thought that's when Dave really started coming into his own in the host chair when Lawler was out there with him. And they'd start the show with Lawler like, ah, before we get started, Dave, are you, are you hungry? <laughs> and Dave just says that incredulous look like, no, I'm, I'm not hungry. I'm, uh, well, I'm going to send Nate to uh, – and you're standing behind Lawler like you're going to be his royal servant, I guess. And he sends you yeah. across. And you run out to the, you run out right in front of the camera like just so funny it's just like you take these little steps and you're kind of hustling and dave brown goes ah oh, there you go there goes nate <laughs> nathaniel whitlock on his merry way <laughs> well uh, the uh the thing was carrie von eric you remember jimmy bam we, we were supposed yeah, to work yeah. against him well he he couldn't make it and so carrie von eric come out there and I, i'm in the back and carrie's sitting on a commode <laughs> and and I, I got the goddamn platter with his hamburger, and Kerry's been up all night long. You know, he staggers out of there. And he, goes, oh, he, he reminded me of John Travolta in, in Pulp Fiction. I swear to God. Yeah, he yeah. Vincent Vega. It, it, yeah. And he grabs the Big Mac like he's at the hotel and starts eating the Lawler's Big Mac. I said, Give me the Big Mac, you big idiot. <laughs> and he's mad at me. Me and Kerry get into it over a stinking Big Mac in the back. And I come out of front, and, and he pours his bucket of water on Lawler's head with ice in it. Lawler's yeah. I said, here's your, here's your Big Mac King. He's huge. He may have, you know, and yeah. that's how that yeah. went. Yeah, Lawler, well, the Lawler, Lawler, week, Lawler, Lawler, Lawler becomes really yeah, unglued and, and, and <laughs> it's, you know, and starts yelling at you and throws the burger at you and everything. Then they come back next week with the pie thing. Well, the next week, you know, he's sitting out there in, in, in a, in a, in a Folding chair, I mean, in a, a laser board chair, and he's and, I, and then I was out of blue. I know what Paula does for him when the, when he's at home. And, what? Yeah. <laughs> and here I go again. I go down to Barksdale and get this pie that weighs about five pounds of K-Roll syrup. You see, a real one, right? I've got that stupid outfit on. I go in the restaurant <laughs> with this on <laughs> during yeah, the wrestling yeah. show. Yeah, you've got like and, the, rest, and, the wrestling singlet and uh, and like a blue top on, on top of that. I think that was some of Lawler's old ring wear. But, uh, well, but that anyway. still hanging. It's still hanging down there. It's hanging in Lawler's bar right now as we speak. <laughs> and uh, uh, I come back and all that took place. You know, he jammed. Uh, well, then uh, and then I uh, he, he hit me with a pie. You know, and I started screaming and crying. I quit. No, no, you you can't quit. I'm going to do to you what most, uh, I said, uh, you know, bosses and, and man, bam, boom, boom. And, and I took a, a bad whipping right then, man. I mean, I'm talking yeah. hard. Yeah. Folding chair hit me right behind the ear, man. I, my whole back of my head was purple. Yeah. And, uh, and, Dave, Brown and is, I, Dave Brown is horrified. He's like, oh, my goodness. Nate's just out here trying to help. Because Nate's just yeah, trying to I mean, help. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what was oh, going man. on. And I'm Man. taking shot after shot after shot after shot, you know? Well, yeah. this is what people, uh, I, I don't know if they're around the country, or, or how they saw that then, but 
you know, after that, I started, I brought in that big dude, that seven foot tall guy from WCW, that Nitron dude. And, yeah. uh, well, uh, before, did something. before we get before we get through with the pie thing, uh, yeah, yeah, because Lawler Lawler got it, it was so it felt so real because if you know Lawler, you know that death glare that he gives you. Like you know, like if you do something legit in the back to piss him off, it's this it's this look that he just gives you. Like it's just the equivalent of him pulling down the strap and and making a comeback on you. And I saw it recently in the Netflix documentary on Jim Carrey where Jim Carrey was kind of riding him a little bit and Lawler, they put the camera over on Lawler and I saw him give that death glare. And I said, Ooh, that's a shoot right there. Uh, but oh, they, yeah, you, that, that look he had when that fat boy went down the aisle and said, you was my daddy. You just never did it. In the WWE. And when his boy come down the aisle, all, all blowed up and, and Lawler's looking at it. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you, but you dropped Paula, but you dropped Paula's name. who was his wife at the time, Paula Lawler, who was in the Whipbusters video and did Paula's picks on the Jerry Lawler show. And you just kind of casually drop her name and he picks up on it and gives you that look. And it, and it really did come off real. And the crowd is like really getting into it as when, uh, when Lawler shoves that pie in your face and then you push Lawler back. And man, that oh, gets yeah. A, yeah, that got a real, real big pop. Everyone's like, "Yeah!" And he uh, pulled his it, shirt off. But my hands were sticky. He pulled it off. It was like, "Oh my god, man!" Yeah. That Cairo syrup was everywhere. <laughs> and he, he oh, I just ruined his shirt, man. That's what got him right there. <clears throat> you see some. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. You know. Hey. Well. Well, let's talk and, about. Uh, I know for a while there, maybe uh, I believe you stopped working Memphis for a bit, and then you were reunited with Lawler uh, in Philadelphia. Is that right? And he was surprised yep. to see you. There. Now, how did, yeah, how, did, how, did, how did how did you get up there? That was like before the days of ECW. That's when I believe Dennis Carluzzo was was running cards up there. Is that how you got booked? Well, well, kind of. It was just a, fa- a twist of fate. It was meant to happen because I was. I had to get a job, man. I went and got me a job driving a yellow cab. And yeah. I got a call over to a TV station. I didn't know it was some kind of wrestling convention or something. And I pick up all these guys from uh, from Philadelphia, and they all jumped up in the cab. And, and Dennis gets in the front, you know, and he looked over at me and said, oh, my God, you know who this guy is right here? And it went like that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Made that's all- right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did, I remember this. A, I want to take you. I want to book you, man. I didn't know that he was really into you know, uh, into what I was doing. I didn't know anybody knew me at the time because I, I was working so much, you see. Yeah. And um, uh, he, and they booked me on my own. No law or no nothing. No, and I showed up up there in Philly and worked against Don the Rock Morocco. And then I was managing uh, some of them local guys. And I'd been up there two or three times. And I'd stay with Dennis. And, and, and then the big show hit. And I showed up on that show, and I walked in the dressing room, and there was Ivan Putsky, Nikolai Volkov, uh, Kim Patera, Johnny Saturn, the Sandman, Soul Taker, Lawler, Kamala, Stan Hansen, Larry Sharp. Uh, was Idol on that card? Was it Idol? Nah, he wasn't there, thank <laughs> God. But, uh, <laughs> well, oh, wrestling guys was there, man. All the who's who of professional wrestling that come out of the WWE. And Lawler was stunned to see you. Yeah, yeah, he walked into it. Oh, my God. And I, I was managing 
the New Jersey heavyweight champion, uh, Joe Daniels, and Kamala at the time. I went. I, man, I managed Kamala against Stan Hansen, uh, and we went to the ring in a white limousine, and it was at a horse track in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It was thirty thousand people there. It was freaking incredible. And uh, but prior to that, I'm on a plane with Jimmy Harris. It's great big. Uh, uh, Ugandan giant. The plane's shaking when he's walking down the aisle. He gets sits next to me, okay, and he's I'm all up in the, in the window. And Hurricane Hugo had hit South Carolina the day before, and it blew in like the Philadelphia thunderstorms. And we're la- trying to land the plane, and it's just flying all over the place, man. People praying and carrying on and crying and. And he looks over at me as serious as anybody I've ever seen. And he says, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I said, what? I said, it's big joker. If King Kong gets up in his plane and screams, it's going to crash the plane. Come on. And I had to talk him down, man. And we finally landed in Philadelphia. And he just gets off the plane like he wasn't nothing to it. And, <laughs> man, I needed Thorazine or Valium or something. I don't, my God, uh, Propanol. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that was Michael Jackson's drug of choice, I believe. That's uh, right. I needed it. Well, I, the, I got, if it's good enough for the King of know, Pop, it's good enough for Nate the Rat. Or Nate the Great. Well, Sorry about that. Yeah, and I got, we rode to the ring. I dig this. Now, this is working with Stan Hansen, okay? Now, this is a big old flat-top redneck man from Mississippi. He's as big as a barn. A, he's like a moose. And he's got these big boots on. And I, I'm walking down the aisle, you know, I mean, down the hallway, going to the ring. And he kicks me in the butt on the way out there hard, man. He says, hey, you hit me with that cane. You stick me with that cane. I'm going to kill you. And he's serious. I said, you big redneck bastard. And I got out to the <laughs> ring. I poked him in his big fat ass. And he was asking me, man, that tobacco was just bubbling out of his mouth. He was the grossest redneck. He was asking me like a dog after a bone, man. And then him and Kamala, t- all right, now dig it. I'm up in the ring. And, you know, Kamala got all his, his skulls around his neck. He had this big mask and all his earrings and all this crap on. And I'm ha- I'm taking it all piece by piece and handing it down to some dude at ringside, you know? You know, doing the big production, you know? And I hear behind me, and Redneck is in a three-point stance and hits me in the ass with a forearm and knocks me three rows out in the freaking audience. I'm flying through the air. My arms, I'm trying to get air with my arms, okay? I land in the audience, not at ringside, in the freaking audience. I get up, man. I look up in the skybox, and Larry Sharp and Law are up in the skybox. They fell out. They were just rolling. I jerked <laughs> my dad on the tuck seat. I jerked that tuck seat off. I said, I'm getting your big redneck ass right now. All went off, man. I'm muddy. It's outside. He's going to ruin my clothes. I'm going to kill this guy. Man, it, and when they tied up, I swear to God. Now, I heard him talk about the match, you know, and I wasn't involved in the finish, and I wasn't planning on getting involved in the finish. But what this is what it was. And, and, okay, you go sob it out. Well, I sob it out. You, you can come on up there on the ring side. Okay, I sob it out. I got you. All right. Now, wait a minute. Who's, the, who's that? that? 
Who's that talking? That's Jimmy saying this to me. When I saw the dog, okay. I, you just get up on the reed side and throw that thing right there, man. It would be all that, you know? I said, all I right. got you. Now, that's how they call the match. When I saw the dog, okay? Well, I didn't know what the hell that meant. I was going, all right, and saw the dog. I got you. Man, them two big jokers, they were like two grizzly bears. I swear to God, they were that big. And they went together, and they both hit in front of me in the ring, the compression. It shook me. It shook the ring. It shook the ground. And then about 19 of them bumps, uh, Kamala lives over and goes, Zaba Dava. <laughs> I get a bit on the ring. Oh, my God. That means throw me the cane and duck. You know, because, man, I swear to God, man, you're talking about somebody that's just going to knock your ass off. That's stinking Stan Hansen, man. Don't yeah. never stand in. Oh, hell no. He going to get it from he, you. He, 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 broke, he, broke, he broke Bruno Sammartino's neck. Man, that dummy <laughs> tried to break mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, which, which would have only enhanced his reputation as the man well, Bruno's neck and what the, break. Man, and what that did for me. Okay, all them big shots in the dressing room. I'm raising Kane, man. And, uh, well, I got back to Memphis, you know, and Larry Sharp shows up. And I think Larry was getting sick at the time. And he couldn't feel uh, – he brought the soul taker down. And I just left Philly a week or two before. And, he, you know, I just worked for him. And uh, he uh, he said, look, man, just take over this thing for me down here and uh, do the best you can with this cat, you know. And he was green. And uh, I think his second match, he won the world title. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely had the look and the size right off the bat. Well, you know, and the thing is, I uh, he stayed at my house. Him and his wife and his little girl stayed at my house. And, and while I was on the road, we was on the road, you know. And I just let him stay there, heck with it. And he didn't have nothing. He, yeah. he, he just had a pickup truck, you know. And uh, that's just how things were. But Lawler, yeah, he had you there, and you had been around a little bit at this point. And then I, I also had Lawler, who could take a big guy and make him look just look, look like a million dollars, you know, just because of his psychology. And uh, he did that with both uh, Soul Taker and Master Pain. But I I remember thinking, though, that that Master Pain, uh, Mark Calloway, who, of course, you know, as everyone knows today is The Undertaker, uh, that he definitely, I thought, had a lot had a lot more potential uh, than Soul Taker did. I just thought I thought he just seemed to have a lot more on the natch, and I believe he was driving to a lot of the towns with Dutch Mantel, and Dutch was kind of you know in his ear and giving him tips on how to develop his character and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I was really impressed with uh, with Callaway right from the get go. Well, he was stiff. I know that. <laughs> I tied up with him in the dressing room. I tied with all of them because I'm stiff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and uh. They all wanted to tie with me just to see what it felt like, you know. And I tied up with them like a shooter would. And, uh, they, you know, I'm a little guy, and they all like that, you know. I, but, yeah, he, he's hard, man. He was, like, really hard guy. I mean, you know, when you tied up with him, his muscles were hard. Yeah. And, well, and, and you know, it's funny because you mentioned that story about Carluzzo. And I was starting to kind of hang around a little bit then. I was starting to, to set up the ring. And then uh, eventually I started refereeing around 91. And one of those mornings that Carluzzo came in, he he was he was he was talking about he was talking you up like you won't believe who was our cab driver Nate the rat Nate the fucking rat da, 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 da. And he was going nuts but I didn't know that uh, that he ended up booking you up there so that's that's really interesting oh bunch yeah 
but then I really I, good friends. Man. I don't I don't know if you remember this, but I got into my little heel run going there, and this was like I guess ninety five, uh, and I was starting to get, you know, like a uh, to the point where I was passable, and uh, and you were driving a cat. You picked my my uh, my girlfriend and I up at, on Bill Street. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I told you, I recognized you as soon as you got in. Yeah. And I told you, I said, you're the only guy that has came down the, the loop that has the potential to do something in this business out of Memphis right here. I said, you're the only cat that has touched anything that I've done and that I would yeah, give any credibility to. And, and I told you straight up and I said, you keep that going, man. You, you've got a future in doing this somehow or another. Yeah. I don't know if it's doing what you're doing, but you know, you, you got that thing happening you know yeah I, I, time, I remember that. that was a big deal that was a big deal for me Nate. i appreciate that well you know i i've had other guys just like you know the story it touched what i did is touch people that I, I didn't know it even touched you know yeah well that's the and, thing about that memphis wrestling show man and so many people watched it and tuned in and it was definitely it definitely gave me some of the best memories of my childhood and so when i got into it even though it wasn't quite what it was we still had Lance Russell. We still had Dave Brown, and uh, we all, we also had Corey Macklin. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, it it still it still was a Memphis institution, and and with Dave Brown there and Lance there and, and Jerry Lawler, uh, you know, kind of going back between WWF and and uh, and Memphis, uh, it, it was still something that so many it, it touched the lives of so many people, uh, even though it wasn't quite as popular as it once was. Um, but, uh, and Nate, I, I just want to say, I don't know. I, I can't say that because in 2006, they called me up there to the office. Okay. They done censored me a bunch because I'd said some things. <laughs> Every time I'd, well, yeah, I'd I say know. something that they'd censor me and they'd call me up to the office. They told me, said, I said, cut him to the white meat shows, you know? And they said, what the night that was racist. Where the hell did you get that from? You know, they called me up there. I said, well, that was Bernie Mac. I got it off of Bernie Mac. And they went, oh, well, that's, well, they changed it. That's after 11 o'clock ratings or something. I don't know, man. Anyways, they called me up there to the to the top up there at Clear Channel. I went, oh man, what do I say now? And, and I'm doing I'm doing nothing except mimicking Lawler. I'm Lawler, uh, but I'm doing you know as me. Yeah. I'm just Lawler as a heel, and uh, I'm getting heat from it, and he knows it, and. Uh, so uh, I got, they called me up there, oh, what I do now? They said, Nate, you ain't going to believe it, man. I said, what? I did a thing. Uh, I did Dead Elvis on there. He said, that morning that you did that, there was a million seven households watched this, that show that morning live. That's what WWE does in this territory on Monday Night Raw. I said, is that right? Huh. So I can't say that it ain't as popular as it was. It well, was. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. weren't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the fabulous ones and Lawler and yeah. selling 10,000 people, but TV ratings, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone would just have it, I think, in, in, instinctively, they would just turn it on. <laughs> you know, well, it was, what, it was, what, I, it was I, one of those I, things you could always depend on. I heard that you could stick your head out at 1059 of your door and you could hear everybody's TV in Memphis clip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, and then the, so, and then you the know. Theme for 2001 plan. Now, yeah, that's what I was going to say though. When, uh, now I was in, I moved to Los Angeles and I really wasn't watching any of, 
uh, Corey Macklin's promotion, but he drew some great houses. You know, he brought Terry Funk in, and Terry Funk was cutting some unreal promos on Lawler. Um, and then I saw some of your stuff, and it was like, it, you know, you went to you went to Jerry Lawler's mother's house, and oh and, yeah, yeah. And Memphis was Memphis has always taken like stuff that's really going on in somebody's personal life and turn it into an angle, like when Bruno. There you go. There you go. That's the sign that hung in Jerry Jarrett's office for, for years. And it would always, it would always go back to that. You know, sometimes they might build things around the world championship, but even then a lot of times they would make it a personal feud. Who's going to get the shot at the world title. So that was always front of mind, but yeah, man, you did some really great uh, kind of uh, even at that point, cutting edge stuff. Uh, by WWE standards, because you were really pushing the envelope there with, you know, saying that Lawler's mother was faking her stroke and the whole thing. And oh, how about the time I did the interview with the damn rats crawling all, all over me? And yeah. I had this one rat hanging up, Vincent the Rat. Yeah. Oh, that's supposed to be Vincent. Vin- <laughs> Vinnie Mac the Rat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a different direction for the character. <laughs> <laughs> and you and then, you were managing the grave digger who was kind of a well, oh kind my of, god it was that's a right. undertaker ripoff and uh and the deal was that you were going to bury and then you were going right, to dig this dig this all your let, me you, let me tell you what was going to happen let me tell you what was going to happen okay lawler and him called lawler calls me and he says look jerry just taking over the book in uh wwe vince McMahon is going to jail on steroid charge I said, okay, cool. He said, we're gonna bring you up, man. And uh, uh, uh he said, we're gonna bring you, we're gonna bring you up, and uh, we're gonna do a, we want to do a grave digger, Undertaker show, and uh, 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 you know, and I want you to manage things. And I said, oh, cool, man. I got, I got some damn rats, and you know, and and uh, it went like that, you know. So, well, man, I assistant make this big thing happen, you know. And I got bit by a rat down at the Coliseum, and it wouldn't let go, man. And it had me by my middle finger, man. It just, oh, my, oh, my God. And I had to pull this rat off of my finger. Okay, what it was, I said, that rat ain't never bit me like that, man. What in the hell? And so I went to the ring, man. My finger's just like pulsating. I get back, and the rat has done had about 20 little baby rats. It was oh. in labor, and I'm making her work. She bit these piss out of me. Well... <laughs> so these are your this is what you don't hear about wrestling you know all right now this is what happened yeah yeah okay that next week um Damien wait a Eccles, minute now who, who who took care of all the rats what are the <laughs> i did i had him in a truck of Lawler's car in a cage and he's freaking out too we had clowns belts rats all this you know in the truck of his car Hey, by the way, we, and we, 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 we're talking rats. We're talking like actual rats. We're not talking arena rats or anything like that. No groupies. Oh, well, they were in the back seat, <laughs> but the other ones were in the trunk. The real ones were in the trunk. <laughs> and I had, we had a cage of rats. Well, anyway, <laughs> and I'm not talking hypothetically here. Okay. And uh, no. uh, anyway, me and the tenor in this Cadillac. Well, well, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get this big shot up in the WWE. You know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... But I don't want to carry these stinking rats, man. Jesus oh. Christ, I'm not going to plane with these damn rats. And I said, I'm going to have to go to city to city and get rats everywhere I go. Oh, my God. And, uh, well, anyways, 
uh, Lala called me. He said, man, we're going to have to squash this gimmick because, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money on them. They had body bags and they had, yeah. they, they went and rented a hearse and, and went to, and had all this, this macabre sounding music, did a video. And I said, what's up? He said, man, them stinking kids over in West Memphis killed that, them kids over there. And this macabre horse shit's got to go. Jerry says, man, we're cutting this horse shit out of here. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's got the entire damn nation scared because of this macabre West Memphis 3 crap. The West Memphis 3 and that stinking Damien Eckers are going to kick your ass if I ever see you. He squashed my shot in the WWE because of his bullshit over in West Memphis. Wow. That's exactly what, how what that went. The- one of the untold victims of the West Memphis Three, Nate. Ain't that something? The I swear to God, that's how it went. Well, I, I said, well, all right, turn the page. You know, I figured out something else. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, you plant a seed and you hope it grows. That's just how it went. Yeah. And man, I, you know, what do you say? Yeah. Lord. Yeah. Man, and, to, uh, to 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 get to come so close to your shot, and then and then ironically. Well, no, I, it's it's kind of the the rats that did you in. Well, you you're right. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, but you know, yeah. it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, because well, at, at that time, you had Bobby Heen, you had Jimmy Hart, you had all the rest of them clowns up there, and they were all going after every mix of Fuji and Toji and everybody, and that everybody had a manager and this and that, and then all of a sudden. Vincent Mann and his son decided they was going to do something. As long as there was them guys in their way, they wouldn't have never been noticed as far as being heel managers. That's why they got rid of all that bunch. Then they brought in them chicks. And, you know, and then they forgot, the wrestle business has forgot that the manager is actually the one that tells the story. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't my time at that time to go into big, into that WWE because of all that, all of my, you know, all the people in my way. Yeah. But now, uh, Scott, uh, you know, there ain't nobody in the way. Right. And, uh, I'll tell you now, I'm as good as heart or Heenan any day of the week. And, and you're, uh, you're, the, you're rested and ready. I, 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 well, I've been working, I've been working independently. Okay. And I mean, you know, I just, I just have knowledge now yeah. that what, what it's going to take yeah. to make it happen again. If I can write us, I can write that this little local thing with Lawler and Corey Macklin on Saturday morning and get the ratings for my writings on Saturday morning at 2006 and, and match WWE on Monday night. And they got that big machine. You let me loose. I told Lawler, I did my debut in that WWE. And I want to tell you about that in, in 2006. I man, I brought in my band, that Bill Street Brass Band, and and I had a top hat on, and I had all my guys in derbies, and they played when the Saints go marching in, balloons were flying, graffiti was dropping, and Shane and and Vince's man, nice. when the Saints go marching yeah. in, and yeah, all that yeah. was dropping, and I'm dancing, and I'm looking directly in the camera, Lawler, uh, 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 he wanted to say. He looks familiar, but I could tell what he was thinking <laughs> when he was going, uh, 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 where's, uh, you know. Yeah. So it would have been great I, if, he, if knew, he goes. He goes. This is a great celebration, but I, frankly, I smell a rat. Uh, well, he didn't <laughs> say anything. But I told Lawler. Yeah, look. Did you see the movie The Gladiator when that guy walked out there and he looked and and, and he looked at all the people on both sides and he went, "Oh damn, look at all these folks." That's exactly what I did when I walked that aisle at the at the uh, at the uh, FedEx Forum. 
And I bet you three quarters of people, I heard people, that's like the rat. That's what, you know, I heard that. And, and, uh, murmur. that would have been, been great. That'd and be I, great if they got the chant going. Well, I told Laura, I said, right before I walked out of there, I said, you know, if I ever walk this aisle, uh, on this show, these people are going to belong to me. He said, I know that, Nate. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I, his I, protege. I, this is what folks yes. don't realize. I'm actually Lawler's protege. Yeah. You know what? He would be a baby face. And I'd say, give me a line, man. Give me my lines. And he would act like me. He would mimic me, and I would go out and mimic him. Right. And it's, man, you're a smart ass. I'm yeah. just doing what the boss said. Yeah. I'm just being that way. I don't yeah. know how he is. Yeah, when I, when and, uh, I when, you know, people, when I went out there and, and cut my first deal, and everyone was some of the guys uh, who had been in the territory for lo- you know that long, they were they were just amazed. Like the headbangers, they had just gotten there, and, and I came to the back, and they were saying, "Oh my gosh, that was amazing!" And I was like, "Man, I, I just I, all I did was just go out there and and just copy what." Cornette and Hart and uh, Lawler had done all those years, and it just came flooding out of me. And uh, and I, I kind of made up my mind that I was going to cut a, the Hill promo of my dreams, even if it was my only one. But uh, but yeah, Nate, uh, and you were definitely an influence as well. So uh, well, it's, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I, sublimately, I guess you know, as time goes on, people look back and go, "Oh man, I had a guy I was just managing independently now." He says, "Man, I've been watching your stuff. I, uh, I learned from that." Yeah, I said you gotta learn where to hit that mark, man, on that camera, and learn right. how to act when some guy is standing next to you and he's shooting his thing. You gotta learn how to act while he's acting, while he's doing his thing. You gotta learn what not to do. You see? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's the tough part right there. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think, uh, there've been so many guys I've seen over the last 10 or 15 years where I just go, man, that guy up in WWE would just so benefit by having a mouthpiece. You know, and just, you know, because not everybody needs to be a big talker. Not everyone needs to be a smart ass. Not everyone, you know, needs to go out out and cut a long promo. You know, they put uh, they put Heyman with with Brock Lesnar. But I think, man, there are a lot of guys who would have benefited from that, from just starting out with a mouthpiece and just giving you that glare. Uh, Jim Cornette. Well, you know, Paul Heyman come up to me. Paul Heyman come up to me and I didn't know I was over. I mean, because I was at that time I was working and working and working and and, you know, it's hard to see yourself through the trees. You know, other people can see you a lot better than you can see yourself. Yeah. And Paul come to me and he said, look, I want to, and he had long hair at the time. And he carried that phone, you know, and he's with Eddie mm-hmm. Gilbert. Yeah. And he said, I want, I want to take a picture with you, man. And I said, really? I was like, for real? <laughs> I didn't know he was a fan. You know, I, I, I didn't look at myself at that time period. As as it being you know now iconic and all that other stuff that goes with it, but and and now guys go man what was it like to ride up and down the road and just fight every night you know what I'm saying just not get a job just god dang just fight and lose your wife and lose your family and <laughs> <laughs> it was great in a freaking car and those eat were the horse days crap you know and and have bad backs and have all that you know. What was that like? I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what it was like. Me and Law was riding down the road. And Brickhouse Brown and King Parsons and Harold Harris passed us. Now, we're going down the high. Harold Harris stuck his black ass out the window. And Moon Lawler. Oh. Okay. I fell out. And Cat was with us. And she fell out. And Lawler got pissed off at us. 
Oh, you know, he got upset about that. Next thing you know, because I was laughing, he booked Harold Harris and me against Freddie Krueger and Jason. He's oh, Jason and Tommy Gill and Freddie Krueger. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. We went two weeks around the territory. The first week, they beat the they just kicked my butt. They beat the hell out of Harold for doing that. The next week, he was he was cool with me. Uh, uh, but, man, Lord have mercy, they whooped that boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's weird yeah. things will happen that'll get you get that'll get you booked. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, man, that's what, that's oh, what I try to tell people. Like some, some of the best stuff was like just hanging out backstage and, and cause you know, especially at that point in time, there things were, didn't always go to plan and just to hear Lawler's reaction. And, uh, that was, that was just some of the best, uh, that was some of the best stuff. And then the driving to the towns and getting into like uh food fight wars on the road and stuff like that. That was just the camaraderie was, was, was definitely there. And it was a hell of a lot of fun. And I always considered myself really lucky. I, so there were sometimes where I'd be like, I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I'm back. You know, I'd be, I'd be at Louisville garden. I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> There's Bill Dundee right over there and Jerry Luller. And how, how the hell did I get here? Uh, but uh, well, Nate, hey man, I could do this all night long. We we definitely sure. have you know to at Louisville. I walked the aisle in Louisville, yeah. and uh, you know how they had the upstairs and they had the back downstairs. Yeah. But the upstairs, I swear to God, it sounded like a jungle. The way that holler, you know. Oh, yeah. I, never I always love always love going to Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, it was really strange because the people were pretty sedate downstairs, like real civilized. You know, I, I wouldn't sit upstairs for nothing, and the people upstairs were like. Rolling in the chairs, man. I was like, you know, I was like, wow, man. Yeah. It's really strange. Every day of my life, a stranger comes up to me and goes, wow, you're dude. You're, you, you. I said, no, I'm, I'm dude. I'm not dude. You know, I'm, (laughs) they say, I grew up with you watching you. I said, no, you didn't. We grew up together. Right. Right. I was a kid when I went on TV, man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I'm 24 years old walking in there and them guys been wrestling 30 years. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. It was a little, little daunting, but you did, you could never tell by your promos cause you always cut loose and, uh, and, and let, let go of some biting stuff that was kind of ahead of its time. So, well, Hey, Hey man, we loved having you on here. And I know that, uh, we, we'd love to have you back cause we kind of scratched the surface a little bit with, uh, some of your stuff with, uh, Dennis Carluzzo and, uh, man, we, uh, I feel like we could talk, Memphis for for days, so we definitely would like well, to. Have we just got about halfway through my career right there, so you well, got another half of it going. Yeah, we can't. We well, we skipped around a bunch, but we'll uh, we'll circle back around and and we'll have you on again. Well, thanks a lot, and thanks Brian for having me on here, man, and, and uh, Scott. You know, it was my pleasure being on here. I re- I really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much. Well, hey, hey, man, I, and I say this, you know, as a, as a fan growing up, you know, I, I was uh, at my all time. I was like, all I could think, of, you know, I was, I was about ready to graduate high school in '87, '88, and uh, I was like thinking, man, you know, I know I'm supposed to go to college, but I've got to give this wrestling thing a try. I got to get in some way, and uh, and you were one of the ones who who was at the in the promotion at the time, and and uh, just doing some great stuff, and just really inspired me. So uh, I just want to thank you for that, and. And, uh, man, that was one of the biggest compliments I ever received that night in 95 when, when, uh, I got the, I think I was more excited to see you than you were excited to see me. I think we got in the cab and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Nate the Rat. <laughs> but, uh, well, I've never forgotten that moment. Yeah. But, 
All right, man. There you go. You'll have that till you pass away, brother. That's right. (laughs) They can't take that from you. That's right. Everything we talk about tonight, they can't take it from us. That's right. I'll probably tell my grandkids. But they can't take that. That's right. All right, Nate. All right. We'll take take care. And, uh, man, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Take care. Well, I have to say that was an interview that I didn't quite—I uh, I didn't quite expect. I was not prepared for for Nate the excuse me Nate the Great's uh, backstory on how he broke into the business. Usually, guys, you know, got trained or they kind of fell into it some way. Uh, or in the case of Mickey Pool, maybe he was just Lawler's uh, gopher and his stooge, and he thought, "Hey, why not just put this guy on TV?" But in the case of Nate the Rat, he actually wrestled alligators to the death to get his first big break in Memphis wrestling. And I have to say. Even though it sounds a little preposterous in hindsight, the idea of going on a cruise and seeing a Jerry Lawler-Nick Bockwinkle match for the AWA World Heavyweight title in the high seas is very interesting to me, and I would probably would have begged my parents to take me. I would assume, even though Nick Bockwinkle was AWA champion, that it would be under the NWA auspices being at open sea, so I would assume if you get thrown overboard, it's an automatic disqualification. Oh, well, I, I think that goes without saying. Uh, yeah. But, uh, wow, it, it talk, you know, I know a cat has nine lives, but I didn't know that a rat has nine lives. Nate is just, just when you think you've seen the last of him, he comes right back up. And I, I love the story about Dennis Carluzzo. You know, Nate had been out of the business, forced to get a job driving a Memphis cab, and then he happens to pick up Carluzzo at the airport. It's a famous story. It's been told in the past several times on the 605 Super Podcast by people who were in the car with Dennis when that introduction happened, when he noticed and realized it was Nate the Rat. And of course, Dennis, strangely enough, introduced Nate to a brand new audience, bringing Nate, a manager from Memphis, Tennessee, to New Jersey to manage on some independent shows, even making a Nate the Rat t-shirt that had some (laughs) Nate the Rat artwork on the front and on the back. It had his catchphrase, sugar-coated, baby. (laughs) Well, and as I understand it, those are going for like 500 bucks on eBay right now. If you could find one. Well, yeah, well, yeah, if you could find one, geez. And I've been searching for years now. But uh, at any rate, uh, much appreciate Nate coming on the show. He is uh, definitely a legend on some streets in Memphis. And uh, it was really, really a blast talking to him. Well, I think that about wraps this segment up. You can follow me on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden. You can also find me on Facebook at Kentucky Fried Wrestling. That's R-A-S-S-L-I-N. And uh, check out my YouTube page. I actually have some clips of Nate the Rat uh, going for burgers and doing other menial tasks for the King Jerry Lawler before their relationship literally exploded in a cloud of syrup and chocolate and cream during the famous pie incident. Brian? You said a mouthful there, Scott. You can follow (laughs) me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcast. You can hear me each week on the 605 Super Podcast, available at 605pod.com, or available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you find your favorite podcast, classic wrestling talk, and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Brian Lass, this is Scott Bowden. We'll see you next week on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of championship wrestling.